Hi everybody and welcome to Minecraft with Alternative Therapeutics. I'm Olivia. I'm Brittany. I'm Chase. I'm Mary Beth. And today we have our new clinician here with us, Grace. Hi everybody. So today we're going to be talking about some frequently asked questions of, about EMDR that Chase will be answering for us. introduction to EMDR and talk about some of the frequently asked questions. So I'll start, Chase. Mm -hmm. One of the questions that I get a lot on intake calls for those who are specifically seeking EMDR is they want to know more about what a session really looks like for them and, and what to expect um, during those sessions. So can you give us a little bit more insight as to what actually happens in an EMDR session? Yeah, um, I think... It, it's really going to depend on where you are. So EMDR is based in an eight-phase protocol. Um, phase one is history taking. Phase two is preparation. Phase three is assessment and targeting. Um, phase four is desensitization. Phase five is installation of a positive belief. Phase six is a body scan. Phase seven is going to be um, closure or checking in. And then eight is going to be future templating. So I'm, how detailed do we want to Yeah, so with this? like every session you're going to be doing some combination of those eight phases. Right. right. So, well, phase one is going to be like what normally would look, what normal therapy would look like. Um, you're going to talk about what current things are you're, you're struggling with, like what are some triggers, what are some symptoms. We're going to work on um, making sure that you feel comfortable with me to make sure that I'm the best fit for you. Um, safety is really, really important when you're going to do trauma work. Um, we're going to figure out what goals you are, like what do you want to see happen, where you want to see the most relief in your life. And from there, we're going to really look at, okay, so... These are the problems that you're having. These are where it's showing up in your life. So we're going to look for themes. So if we're saying anxiety symptoms are the major thing that's bringing you in, we're going to see, like, where is anxiety showing up for you? Is it showing up in relationships or presentations? Or is it we're not feeling safe? And from there, we're going to find what are some beliefs that you have around those things. And with those beliefs we're going to float back to targets or specific memories or situations or events where those beliefs really showed up for you. Um, so that's going to be history taken. And that can be, you know... A couple sessions. Yeah, yeah. depending on the person's history and sure. how intense things are going, that can be a lot, right? Because mm -hmm. everybody attaches differently. Everybody has different comfortability levels. Everybody needs certain things to feel comfortable within therapeutic space yeah um and then phase two it's a lot of what we would say like in normal or in typical counseling would be skill development right so depending on the therapist's background me specifically 
I have a lot of training in DBT, so we're working a lot on um, distress tolerance skills and mindfulness and making sure that you can stay like in your body and grounding and helping because what's going to come up might be pretty intense. So being able to stay within a window that you're able to tolerate is really, really important for EMDR to be effective. Um, so it's really, and that can depend, like a lot of those sessions, depending on the person can be, you know, that can be a really long time. Like I have a client that I've worked with for a pretty significant amount of time and we're still in process or in preparation and I've seen them for like six or seven months because, you know, depending on the person's situation, they need a lot of support to be able to manage those kinds of things. Um, and so I think from there, so phase three, four, five, six, and seven um, generally is what is going to be different or what the looks... The meat of EMDR, like yeah. you're saying, when you think of EMDR, like yeah. that's the, those are the That is going to be your about. stereotypical what a an EMDR session looks like um, because also let me backtrack so preparation is where you're going to be introduced to um, the different types of bilateral stimulation or now it's called dual attention stimulus oh, but, when, but when I okay. yeah but when I was trained it was BLS so that's like in my mind what yeah. it was um, but basically what that is is it is what makes EMDR different from just normal talk therapy um, it's a back and forth left to right, right to left. Um, it can be done with eye movements. It can be done with um, tappers. It can be done with auditory tones. But it's just getting your brain to work back and forth, duality. So it's keeping you here and allowing you to look back at something and kind of one foot here, one foot there. Um, it also can be, there's a lot of different theories of what it does and how it does it. Um, I tend to believe it gets both sides of your brain working at the same time um, to help you be able to really integrate information. Um, because what we know is happening is the same parts of our brain get stimulated in REM sleep. Those are the same parts that are getting stimulated when we do EMDR. So that's our amygdala. So that's our fear center, warning sign, fire alarm. Um, that's what is going to send signals to the rest of your brain that's going to release the chemicals in our brain or in our body that are going to make us fight, flight, freeze, collapse, block to someone safe. Um, amygdala gets activated. Our hippocampus gets activated. That's associated with learning and time. And then our prefrontal cortex, which is associated with um, finding meaning and making sense of things. Um, so that's the natural healing process that we go through during sleep. Um, trauma, for some reason, and no one really knows why, um, a lot of times it gets stuck and it can't go through that natural process. But what we know with EMDR is when we take a protocol and we focus on certain things of a memory or an event, um, we can pass that along the same way. Yeah. I really like what you said about having one foot here and one foot there yeah. with, with that bilateral stimulation. Mm -hmm. um, it, it physically keeps them here because there's something that their brain is attending to in that moment in the yeah. now that we're talking about processing things in the past so it yeah. helps them to not get like sucked into that right mm -hmm. is that kind of how you think of it yeah and i think also with preparation so you you're introduced to that you get a lot of education of what emdr is going to look like the type of language that you're gonna the therapist is going to use um i generally don't usually say memory i say target so when we bring up this target sure. um uh, what are you noticing like noticing generally that's not a question that's 
ask a lot of times in counseling. And when you're asked that for the first time, you're like, what, what are you talking about? Um, so just being able to notice what's coming up, whether it's a thought, whether it's a feeling, what it, if it's a body sensation, um, you're going to have a lot of practice with being able to like just attune to like what's going on. Um, cause part of EMDR is a free association of like whatever's coming up, just going with it and trusting that process. So with that preparation, then you go to phases three through seven. And that can be one session, that can be multiple sessions. That's where you're taking a target. So target, if we backtrack, would be um, one of the memories or situations or events that we've um, linked to a negative belief. Um, So with that target, we're going to take it and we're going to break it down. So we're going to have you... Um, a lot of times the question that I'm going to ask is if you play that back like a movie up on a screen and you were to pause on the worst part, what would be the worst part? What would represent that? Or if you were to Google this, what would come up? Um, and from there, you're going to find belief about yourself, um, emotions that you have. Um, you're going to notice what you feel in your body as you look back at all this stuff. Um, And then there's two scaling questions. So one is the subject unit of distress. So a question will look like, um, so when you bring up that worst part, that negative belief, all those emotions, um, the things you notice in your body on a scale from zero to 10, how disturbing, how distressing is that to you? Um, That's more for the therapist than it is for the person, um, but it can help people with just kind of knowing like where they are as we check in. Um, the other scale is called the validity of a cognition, and that is, um, really assessing how much or how true a belief feels for you. Um, so with that being said, you're, you're targeting, so you're bringing up the worst part, the negative belief. Um, you're also asking what they want to believe about themselves. So, um, the question could be, Um, as you look back at this worst part and that negative belief, what's the new conclusion you want to make? Or what, what do you want to believe about yourself now? Um, and that's what I think makes EMDR a little bit different from other things, because not only are you bringing up, um, some of the things that you might've felt or what you feel about now, as you look back, but you're adding additional, um, what do you want to believe about yourself now? Um, so you take all of those things and then you apply bilateral stimulation and you allow free association to happen. So that can be um, a few, it would look like you're going to have those things, you're going to notice those things. Um, usually it's 24 to 36 back and forth sets, which is going to be fast, um, fast back and forth. And then the therapist is going to ask you to take a breath and check in and just see what you're noticing. And there's literally no wrong answer. Um, and then you go with that. And the therapist is going to be attuned with you, check in with you. Um, a lot of times also, let me backtrack the preparation. Part of that is um, helping you kind of figure out how you would voice to the therapist when enough is enough, right? When you need to stop. Yeah. Um, safe, safe word. Yeah. Or a stop sign or however you want that to happen. Also, if I check in and you're in the middle of something and you want to continue, what that would look like. Um to help the person feel in control and know that they can stop at any time, but also just knowing like what the plant's going to look like and having that connection with the therapist to make sure that they know where you are at the time. Um, I forgot where I was going with that. 
Okay, so with preparation, okay, so we're going back to um, phases three through seven. So that can be one session. Um, it's very normal for you to not get to zero on a sub scale per se in one session. That's okay, right? Um, when and what that would look like would be phase seven would be closing, making sure that you have shifted from processing mode to back to calm mode. Um, and where that is, is a lot of the skills that we've been practicing on in phase two. So um, simple things could be, you know, a safe, peaceful place, container, um, breath work, um, tapping figures that represent something for you, symbolism for protection or nurturing, compassion, um, kind of letting them know what they might experience in between sessions it's very normal for like things to still come up after session and that's normal that's okay it can be uncomfortable but that's totally normal um and going from there so one session can be anywhere from like one to three sessions typically not always it doesn't mean that there's something wrong if it doesn't take that amount of time if it takes longer but generally what research shows is like one to three sessions for one target to be able to clear it gotcha. and when clear i mean we've alleviated the level of distress so we brought the suds down to zero and we fully installed the positive belief so it's on a scale from one to seven seven being totally true it feels totally complete um so that is phase so once we phase four is desensitization so you're bringing the suds down phase five is where you're installing the positive belief so that's where the vogue scale would happen phase six is body scan so when you hold that positive belief and you scan your body, what do you notice? And when it's clear, we're going to really want to reinforce that because that means, you know, it's really in there. We feel it. We believe it. And we go from there. And then phase seven. That is a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've been doing it for a long time. So like a lot of that stuff, like in my head, every therapist is going to say things different. Like they sure. have different wording. Yeah. Um, but you know, yeah. It's taken you a lot of training and experience to get to that point where you can just kind of like yeah. walk through each step by memory and, sure. you know, kind of talk us through it. So that's amazing. And, yeah. then, and then phase eight is where you take the positive cognition and you um, think of a future scenario where that might be something that you would really, you might really need to embody that positive belief. Um, and that could be anything for, like, an example would be... Um, I am powerful, right? And then you're going into a meeting at work where people are really going to challenge you, right? And you're going to compare that. So when you hold that positive belief with that future scenario, how true does that feel, right? And from there, you do some more processing. If it doesn't feel like full seven, you're going to go from there and you go through a normal, it's, it's modified a little bit, but you're going to Check in with, like, what's the worst part of that future scenario? What do you feel in your body? What are some of the emotions that come up? And kind of do some processing there to future templates. So you're focusing on past and present problems and then the future. Very cool. Yeah. This is very much a Cliff Notes version, and I'm positive I <laughs> forgot something. But That's amazing. I never I never have heard the future part. I didn't know. Yeah. In my own MDR work, I don't think I've gotten to that part. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. And you can do, a lot of people will do that alone. You don't have to, like, do phase one through seven and then do phase eight. There's um, a lot of things that you can do. It's not necessarily future templating, but where you take a positive belief and apply it. 
using symbolism or however you embody that, because not everyone's a visual person, to um, apply that to a future scenario or somewhere where you really need to embody that. Um, so are like effects of EMDR, are they maintained over time? Yeah. So a lot of times what I get would be... Um, piggybacking off of that would be so a client we've worked through something and we process and we've got it down to zero i'm using air quotes and um they come back and they're like this when we check in it's like a three or a four or a five Mm -hmm. and the way our memory works i wish i could that people could see so i could draw it so i put like it's like an umbrella So we say, like, we have this target here, and that's the umbrella. But under that umbrella, we have all these channels of things so that are associated to that, that are in this neural network. So we, um, a lot of it can be situations that are similar to this target. It could be negative beliefs. It could be emotions, body sensations, triggers. And we might have cleared, like, three of those, right? But something that happened was in another channel that we didn't get to. And that doesn't mean that that progress is invalid, it just means that it didn't fully stick, and we've still got some more work to do. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah. So what about after therapy? Like, if they've, I guess, graduated from mm-hmm. counseling and they're done working with you, mm-hmm. would those effects last longer term as yeah. well? Because what it's doing is it's helping you change meaning about things that have happened to you. It's shifting... Um, it's my fault to I'm blameless. Um, shifting, uh, I had something to do with this to I survived this. Um, uh, it could be as simple as I'm bad to I'm enough or I have value, right? Mm-hmm. So it's long lasting in the terms of it's ch- helping you change some of the belief systems you've really developed over time. Yeah. So can this be used with complex PTSD? Yes, absolutely. Um, so if you look at what research, and things are changing now, but um, what happens is we identify, or we used to identify trauma into big T traumas and little t traumas. So big T's would be those isolated, single events, big things that happen. And they can happen multiple times. It doesn't mean like it just happens once, but like big things like um, combat, uh, physical, sexual abuse, um, an assault, car accident, those things would be big T. Um, small T, which I think a lot of times can be invalidating for people because, you know, big versus small means like this is less than when it's not the case. If you looked at this person's brain and this person's brain, they're going to look the same. Um, small T is more of the complex things that happen, which could be anything from neglect, emotional abuse, um, bullying, never feeling like you fit in, um, a parent that was incarcerated and not there, um, substance abuse in the home, parents divorce. Some people say the first traumatic event is birth, right? That some of those things can be pretty damaging to our bodies. And I mean, we come out crying, so something must be not fun about that. Um, <laughs> you, know, you know, so I think we, when we look at things, so the original research for EMDR, what made it evidence-based was middle-class white people with single-event traumas, right? <laughs> so um, with that being said, that like a lot of the things 
that are populated or correlated from their research is single events is like what EMDR is really known for. But also there's a lot of research happening now that shows that it's just as effective with complex trauma. We just can't correlate the results, which would be like, oh, we can get done in six sessions, right? That's going to be impossible for these other things because these are interwoven to like our concept of ourselves, the world, and how we make meaning. Um, so it's going to be a lot longer than six sessions. Is EMDR like the same as hip- hypnosis or hypnotherapy? No. So they're actually... Um, they're actually the opposite in terms of activation. So hypnosis is going to bring you down. It's going to really activate like parasympathetic nervous system activity. Um, EMDRs are going to bring you up and get you activated. Gotcha. And then what questions should be asked to find out if clinicians are qualified or if they have expertise using EMDR with a certain... Um, like problem or disorder? Um, well, so there's a lot of like specific protocols out there of like, oh, I do this protocol. When in reality, the standard protocols, which is the one that I described is what the only thing you really need um, Mm -hmm. with, you know, proper preparation and skills and making sure you feel comfortable with the person. Um, But if you want to know, like, someone's training or um, where they are at on the process, you can ask, like, you know, um, have you completed both levels of training for EMDR? Are you fully trained? Are you partially trained? Are you certified in EMDR? You can always go to EMDRIA website Mm -hmm. um, to look at most people who are members, like, we'll say, like, what the areas that they have experience working with. a lot of times if you go to, if you just Google EMDR or EMDR institutes or EMDR training, they're going to have lists of people who have graduated that okay. you can see. Um, it really just depends. Or you can ask, just ask the person and fill it out and see. Yeah. So what, what are the differences in the, the trainings? You said like part one, part two, what do you, like, what does that mean? So every training it's going to be a little bit different. So the way I've been trained is um, a thematic approach. So how I mentioned how we look at things, how we conceptualize cases, how we um, move forward with identifying specific targets, it's going to be linked to themes from your presenting issue. Mm -hmm. So anxiety symptoms, we're going to look at where that shows up. And from those themes, we're going to figure out what the beliefs are about yourself. And then from those beliefs, we're going to look at first, worst, most recent times you've believed that about yourself. And there can be a lot of firsts, there can be a lot of worse, and there can be a lot of recent times. Mm-hmm. Um, another training could be, um, you know, more of a chronological history or a timeline of things, right? Knowing specific events that they want to target. Um, or it could be more symptom-based, right, where you're taking a symptom and floating it back to the worst time you you notice that or what's the belief about yourself you know um so it's every training is going to be different in terms of part one part two part one would be um the first step of training would be introduction they have some practice with using emdr and are probably not going to be super equipped to deal with like more complex things mm-hmm. um part two after completion of part two they're going to have like a more wholesome 
view and perspective of EMDR, and they might be more equipped to deal with more things, but they probably need more consultation. Okay. Um, I would be really concerned if a, a therapist was practicing EMDR and they weren't getting, like, consultation, even, like, I mean, I've been doing it for almost five years now, and I still have, like, monthly consultation. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, that was all my questions. <laughs> one, one question that I get pretty frequently is clients will come to us that already have a, an established relationship with a therapist, mm-hmm. and but they're looking for EMDR, and their current therapist is not trained in the EMDR. Yes. So can a client stay with their current therapist and then also seek EMDR from a secondary therapist? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. It's two separate things. So... Yes, it's psychotherapy, but the the goals are different. Mm-hmm. Cool. So they can still hang on to their... Right. Maintain that relationship and just kind of do this side thing with, mm-hmm. with you or with another EMDR therapist and return to their primary yes. therapist. Mm-hmm. Good. I mean, we do that, right? Yeah. We have people yeah. that we share. So Definitely. perfect example. Mm-hmm. So is EMDR only good for trauma or is it good for other things? Yeah. Um, Okay, so how do I answer this? Um, so I, this is just my personal opinion, I believe all symptoms come from trauma-based experiences. So when we look at trauma, what does that mean? It means wound, right? And if we look at a really broad sense of trauma, it's um, times where we've felt helpless, we felt helpless in a situation where other people are getting hurt, or something really unexpected happens to us. So like, how many people have had that happen to them? Literally everyone, right? So um, I think when we look at trauma, it, it depends on, so trauma doesn't mean PTSD, and you don't have to have PTSD to experience like some significant events, right? And it, you don't have to experience significant events to have trauma. So um, anxiety could be from things where maybe needs weren't met for you when you were really young. Or um, depression and low motivation might have been from, you know, not really feeling or having so much emotion and never really feeling validated enough, right? So I think it's a lens of the way you look at it. But to answer your question, yes, all those things can be targeted, like depression, anxiety, performance, mm-hmm fear, panic, all those things. Okay. I think that concludes our questions for today. Um, If anyone has any further questions about EMDR, I would definitely encourage you guys to reach out to us and we can get you some answers. If you're considering EMDR for yourself or someone you love, uh, we are happy to answer those questions and we offer free consults through our website. Um, Anything else, guys? Our website is trainyourbrainohio.com. We also have um, social media. We're on Facebook, Alternative Therapeutics, and Instagram at Alternative Therapeutics. So you can reach out to us either on our website or you can message us on Facebook or Instagram. That's it. Thanks. Thanks for listening. That's all, folks. (laughs) Are we recording? Oh,